Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. I am Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I think we're all getting a little bit tired and weary with the kind of a change in our routines and, and everything that we're not trying to do to keep the most vulnerable safe. But I am happy to be here this evening. We're all still doing our part, which is great. Um, I, I could use a haircut myself, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. Don't they're, look they're, at my roots. <laughs> there are bigger problems in the world than that. And uh, we've still got a show to do, which is great. And we're still practicing our social and physical distancing here. And rather than having students, uh, guests here in the studio are going to be having everyone on the phone today and that's no different as we have tim murray with us he is the chief executive officer for aware senior care tim thank you so much for joining us this evening well it's great to be with you and uh, uh, jason and nicole thank you so glad to have you here, Tim. And, you know, you represent a private duty in-home care company, which for those listening, that, that supports for individuals that need what is known as non-medical care, which can be quite confusing. But things like assistance with bathing, dressing, grooming, transportation, meal preparation, light housekeeping, things of that nature. And the folks that are working in these private duty in-home care companies are certainly uh, potentially on the front lines of directly caring for individuals that are most at risk for the COVID-19 pandemic. So I do want to thank you and your caregivers for your commitment to helping ease the time for older adults in our community. I know a lot of people out there are very nervous about um, the potential risks that their loved ones are are facing in the community and even allowing caregivers in the home today. So talk to us a little bit about that, if you wouldn't mind, kind of what you're doing to help keep those you're caring for safe. Well, thanks, Nicole. Yes. you know, really, it starts with being prepared and educated. Um, we, early on, even before the, the stay-at-home decree, we're, you know, obviously watching the progress of, of the COVID-19 disease. And we started to advise caregivers about precautions to take. So we, we are following all the CDC guidelines. Um, we've done some uh, tips, video tips you may have seen on how to make proper face masks and when they are appropriate. Uh, social distancing. So with our, our caregivers, which thank you for mentioning, uh, you know, just a shout out to all those home health care heroes, as we call them out there on the front line that are out there in, in homes. Um, our caregivers are practicing proper cleanliness. Gosh, they wash their hands all the time. Mm. Uh, we're, at, you know, per guidance from our state government and uh, CDC out in public, wearing masks. Uh, today, um, we have a small orientation. We have uh, three three people, and we actually have six foot apart, social distancing, uh, wearing masks. So we are guiding our caregivers in terms of when they're going to the homes. We've called all our clients proactively, let them know what we're doing. Don't be afraid of a caregiver wearing a mask. This is just taking the proper precautions um, and supporting our caregivers, uh, calling them making sure they're okay, Um, again, taking their temperature every day, asking them how they're feeling. 
we publish what signs, you know, if they're feeling they, they are calling us. So, you know, basically we're just following all the good guidelines, Nicole, that the CDC uh, and our government has put out during this uh, and uh, following the stay at home and keeping in good contact with our caregivers and families. And thus far, we're just really blessed. Um, everybody's rallying to the cause and providing great care for our clients. Um, it's really, it's, I really admire what they're doing. Well, you know, and I think if there is maybe one small blessing out of this entire pandemic, I'm sure there are many, many pieces of innovation that have come out of this. If we really look closely and I'm sure folks will be dissecting this for years to come. But I think one of them is that, you know, really the importance of that direct care worker, the value of the nursing assistant ones that are out there who are providing this hands-on care because, you know, they're they're always the ones that are out there providing that direct physical close hands-on care whenever their, their, their clients or patients have any kind of disease. You know, gosh, I mean, they're constantly putting themselves at risk when the flu is going around or when that stomach virus called the norovirus is going around, all very highly contagious diseases that are out there. And these folks, when they signed up to be at-home caregivers, you know, basically signed up to be consistently exposed to things of this nature. So, um, you know, my hat's off to all of them. And, and unfortunately, you know, it's, it's the type of work that really isn't uh, paid very well, compare, you, considering the types of risks that they're taking and really the fact of that it's such Agreed. back-breaking work. So I really just I'm glad that we're shining a light in, in some degrees on some of these healthcare workers, you know, even less than the doctors and nurses. Sorry, doctors and nurses love you, too. But really, those folks that are doing that at the bedside personal care, I mean, that's that's tremendous. And it takes a tremendous amount of faith and, you know, just kindness to provide that care to individuals. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. There's just, you know, I really, you know, I, I'm we're of like minds. There's a silver lining to all of this. And um, I think we're, there's gonna, a lot better caregiving practices in terms of cleanliness, respectfulness, uh, and communication, right? When you know, It's kind of scary, especially with dementia. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of a sudden, my caregiver's walking home with a, a face mask, mm-hmm. and that's very scary. So you have to practice the art of communication, empathy. Um, so there's, it's tough on all of us. Uh, Truly. I, I totally agree with Nicole. So many good things are going to come out of this, um, and, and I agree with the shout-out for our I think it's going to shine a spotlight on just what uh, caregivers, the value and and the love that they provide is uh – significant and hopefully we'll pull up the ante for taking care of them. Well, truly, you know, the whole face mask thing, I, I was sort of chuckling to myself the other day because I walked <laughs> I walked into the grocery store and I thought to myself, when and ever could you walk into a grocery store with 90% of your face covered up and not be assumed that you were a robber? And I'm thinking, looking around right. you, and some people are even wearing sunglasses. I'm like, I, you can't even make heads or tails of people. This is just some, I mean, sometimes I just feel like I'm on another planet. It's the strangest thing. So yeah, just imagine having a cognitive impairment and then seeing people come into your right. home. I mean, that's that's frightening. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, I, so I know, you know, back when we booked this show for you, we were talking about, you know, what we wanted to do, and it was making a plan and caring for loved ones with dementia, which, you know, yeah, we, we're still, life is still going on. You know, despite COVID-19, right. people are still being diagnosed with an Alzheimer's or cognitive impairment. People are still having heart attacks. People are still getting into car accidents. You know, people are still having just general accidents, and caregivers are still caregivers. And so, you know, this is sort of our new normal for right now, and I think it's time for us to just start thinking, okay, COVID's going to be with us in one way, shape, or form mm-hmm. for probably many years to come. How do we 
continue to kind of make a plan about the future of our loved ones with dementia today? Yeah, um, you know, it's funny when we did this, like you said, making a plan uh, for dementia is a challenge in itself and and a great topic. And kudos to you for what you do at Transitions Guiding Lights. Uh, You know, I went through the first eye-opening experience for me was to go through your training three years ago. And I I got got a healthy respect for what a caregiver goes through and techniques. But bottom line here is, um, does COVID-19 stay-at-home make things even more challenging? You bet. Um, The biggest challenge is... uh, you, you, know, you can think of Nicole here is that it it forces a change in your loved one's routines. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, all of a sudden, because of the stay at home, uh, especially to think of a setting in a community, uh, you've taken away socialization. You've taken away bingo potentially. I know we possibly do virtual bingo, but <laughs> activities with you know with others, right? And all and then. Throw on top of that, like you said, uh, personal protection equipment. Our caregiver comes in with a face mask. When I did the video, I thought I looked like, you know, Frito Bandito. Um, <laughs> it's 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 going to, you know, being a student of Tipa Snow uh, and a recent uh, graduate uh, as a trainer in dementia under the positive care uh, approach, um, Tipa talks about causing a reaction of fright, fight, and flight. So COVID-19 really kind of emphasizes it just takes dementia caregiving to another level um, of of using skills like non-communication skills you know uh, just facial expressions and and hands-on so um, right because the uh, non-verbal piece is really what the folks with dementia actually respond to more than our words and so when we're taking away our faces you know, they're losing a gigantic part of communication. Yeah, it's something that is, is going to be difficult to overcome and we're going to have to adapt to. And we want to talk to Tim about that more. We're talking with Tim Murray. He is the Chief Executive Officer for Aware Senior Care. We're going to take a quick break, but we're going to continue our conversation with him right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And our guest on the line is Tim Murray. He is the Chief Executive Officer for Aware Senior Care, and we're talking all about making a plan for caring for a loved one with dementia. And we're talking about this in light of COVID-19 and how that's disrupted all of our lives. But, um, you know, uh, dementia doesn't uh, doesn't take a break or stay at home, you know, for COVID-19 like the rest of us are doing. So we still need to uh, be aware of this. And, and Nicole, we, there's plenty of challenges that we're facing. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think one of the things while we're kind of on that covid path uh, in discussion today, one of the things we're really noticing at Transitions Guiding Lights is that we have a lot of family members that are calling us and they are so, so scared. They're burned out. And so they're really, they've been caring for that family member sometimes five, 10 years, and they're sort of ready to take that next step for placement. And, And a lot of places aren't even taking admissions right now. But then they're also scared because kind of what's making the, the mainstream media ha- has to do with, you know, the number of cases of COVID in long-term care settings. And so 
Uh, I think that's really, really challenging when you're a very, very burnt out caregiver and perhaps a sandwich caregiver now having children at home all the time with your aging loved one who has a dementia um, and, you know, trying to kind of think about what your future plan's going to be gets even more complicated when you're just consumed with worry on top of the normal guilt about making a placement. Right, right. It just gets worse. It's like kicking your dog on your way out. You know, COVID has just made things just more challenging and complex, but I'm sure the main message comes that comes from Transitions Guiding Light, as from us, Nicole, is seek that help out. Uh, there are, it's a it's a team sport, and there are resources available to you. And if you burn yourself out, now what? You know, who's right. going to care for your loved one? Um, so it is good to continue to consult with Transitions Guiding Lights and then seek out the help, the right help um, that's needed in home. And I think across Wake County, like us, uh, I admire all the home care agencies. We feel an obligation to continue what we're doing. They need us now more than ever. We're about home care. And guess what? People are staying in their homes. So, uh, yes, you know, seek that help out. We're here to help. So talk to us a little bit more, though, about sort of some of those strategies that we can use to assist a person with dementia during this time. Like, you know, how do you do you even bother trying to explain COVID-19? You know, if you're at home caregiver and the total pattern is disrupt, disrupted for that person with dementia, we know routine is so, so important. And all of us right now basically feel like we're in free fall. Uh, and so, you know, how do we kind of bring that sense of normalcy to a person with a cognitive impairment? Well, that, that's a... Wonderful. I mean, I could draw on experience both as an agency owner and some of the families working with my own mother, Emily, um, who was at uh, Walton Woods. So she's in a community and all the communities are. And I had to explain to her, I was like, how am I going to do this? Because my mom is early stage dementia and, and you don't want to cause uh, that fright. So a couple of things to consider when you're doing dementia care. Uh, you need to understand where this person is in their dementia journey. You know, from early stage to latter stage, where they're really not going to have any awareness, ability to process, and adapt your plan to where that person is. So, first thing, a piece of advice and consider dementia care is don't argue with that person. Like, for example, if you tell, I told my mom, under no circumstance can you leave the room. Guess what? She's gonna she's gonna look at me and want to do a jailbreak. You know, then I turn my back. She's gonna be running out that door, and you sit there and you go. Well, how can I maybe accomplish this in a, a different way? And, you know, in, in teachings that you do at Transition Guiding Light and Keep the Snow is engage. Try to engage. Take an approach. Say to your loved one or client, um, well, you know, for the time being, we it's best we stay in our room. And I know you don't want to do that, but what would be the first place you would want to go once we can go out of the room and, and get done? And my mother, believe it or not, is to get her hair done. <laughs> well, I'm with her. <laughs> um, and, and I said, I tell you what, Mom, the minute this thing is kind of lifted, we're going to make an appointment. I'm going to take you to get your hair done. And a smile's on her face. Now you've, you've made a connection. And, and now she has something to look forward to instead of you taking something away. So um, it, it's, it's make a connection is... is is the, the, the first point. Don't try to rationalize because most cases with dementia, you know, as you know, Nicole, is that people lose the ability to 
to process and rationalize. Yeah, there's no reasoning. So, there, yeah, there's, it doesn't matter if you're right. It, it, you're always wrong. So you just can't do it. Perfect. So that leads to the second point is let the person be right. Mm-hmm. You know, based on where they are, don't expect them to under things from your point of view or try to rationalize. I can speak from experience. I went down to my path, my mother, a couple of years ago. And now I've learned that what have you accomplished trying to explain to a person or, or tell them they're wrong? All you've done is make them feel bad. Now what have you accomplished? So like you said, let the person be right. Um, change your approach to understanding things from where they are and what they're capable of and then and build on that. So those, those are kind of two key things in terms of dementia plan and COVID-19. It just exacerbates situations. So it's so important to try to engage, make them comfortable, make that connection, and then give them good things to look forward to, to help them adapt to this time of, of stay in your room, per se, which is what my mother's doing now. And she's doing doing well. I'm very proud of her. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's actually amazing, you know, as long as everybody around, overall, as long as everybody around that person with a dementia just tries to remain calm. It really is infectious. Right. Even in my own family, you know, we just came off of Easter weekend, and I, I could have, you know, we normally have a kind of different looking Easter, and I was like, you know what? I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to get out the fine china. I'm still going to make the nice dinner. I'm going to let my little seven year old get involved with ironing the napkins and, you know, just doing things that she's wants to feel like a big girl and she gets to do and we just made it normal and I I think you know people with dementia similarly children or sometimes even anxious spouses really take um, the cues from those around them about how they're going to react I've even had my own staff say you know Nicole I'm I'm looking at you and if you start to freak out about this then I know we really need to worry Uh, other than that you know uh, if if, as long as you're calm I feel like you know everything's going to be okay and so I think you we don't really realize, you know, when we're in roles of leadership in, in our own families yep. or, or in our own jobs, how much people really rely on us to take sort of that emotional temperature of how, you know, they need to react and behave in, in given crisis type situations. And so, um, you know, depending on where you are in, in, in your world, whether you're that individual leading in your family or in your job or, you know, in a small group of friends, you know, really that sense of calm is super, super important. And, and really limiting, I think, you know, as much as news is important, limiting how much we're devouring what's out there because you can truly get completely overloaded by li- reading every single article and listening to every single, you know, government related, you know, breaking news type situation. And and I think, you know, picking the times that you kind of interface with that is is a very healthy approach. That's a great point. With my mother, Emily, uh, she watches the news, and I know that. So I knew she was going to pick up COVID-19, and I I, I wanted to, you know, and I kind of positioned it to just we're taking precautions, but I kind of equated it to the flu a little bit to try to keep her calm Mm -hmm. and, and safe. But if I am in advanced stages and those that have studied TIPA with the GEMS model, which I love, and you get to the latter stages of Ruby and Pearl, they're not watching. You don't need to explain anything. You just got to take a different approach. So um, I love what you said um, about what you did with your family. Um, we, Gene and I dressed up for Sunday Mass in our, in our best with Zoom uh, with our church. Mm-hmm. And uh, I and, uh, got out a, a, very, a glass of small wine and some, uh, some chips. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you, 
making the best of the situation um, and then try to have fun. So uh, I agree, you know, with, with our caregivers, we're leadership, we're calm, we're keeping them informed. We're operating in a uh, reduced state in the office, but they, they know they, they can call us and we will meet with them if we need to, respecting social distancing. So we have their back. So I admire what you've done. You know, I know we watch each other in social media. Completely agree. We recommend limiting these things because you can get yourself super, you know, just really hyped up. So to limit these things and also if you're a leader in the community, show people that have that faith that we'll get through this together and um, make the best of the situation just like you did with the dinner. I love that. That That's great. And, and there's a number of things you can do. So uh, thank you for sharing that. That was great. Uh, Tim, thank you as well for your perspective and your knowledge. If folks want to get a hold of you and Aware Senior Care, what's the best way to do that? Um, today's world, just go into the Internet or Google and uh, AwareSeniorCare.com. Um, we Our website's a wealth of information. Uh, we're here to help, whether we provide services or not. We've worked with Nicole for a number of years. It's a team sport. Our phone number, if you'd like to call us, we'd love to talk on the phone, is 919 919- Four three six one eight seven one. So thank you, Jason and Nicole, for having on. It's a privilege, and God bless you for what you're doing. Thank you, Tim. That number again, 919-436-1871, or go online to awareseniorcare.com. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we're going to switch gears a little bit here and we're going to focus on a topic that we we like to visit often and that has to deal with advanced directives and to do that we've brought on two guests and that is hank strauss and rick igo they are with elder matters of the carolinas they're both mediators and rick is an attorney uh gentlemen thank you both for joining us this evening good to be here So uh, looking forward to this conversation, I know this is a very special month related to planning advanced directives. We have Advanced Directives Decisions Day coming up right around the corner, actually. And so super excited to have your um, words related to these important issues. I know we are all still in the throes of the COVID-19 pandemic, but given that, um, it's actually brought upon a lot of people having conversations about advanced directives and advanced care planning that may have refrained from that. And I think part and parcel that has been related to the amount of coverage uh, the media has been putting on related to ventilators and what that means. And that's kind of opened up the doors for families to have some very important conversations. So if there is another silver lining related to the pandemic, I think folks are starting to have some of these conversations perhaps a little earlier than they may have in the past. So um, I want to uh, ask you actually a question, Rick. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what the difference is between an advanced directive and advanced care planning. Okay, I'd be glad to do that. So we're really talking about advanced health care directives. And uh, they vary from state to state. Um, and people probably know these by other names. That's the generic term. Uh, one element of it is a health care power of attorney. 
which is a legal form that you uh, complete, which will give someone else the power to make healthcare decisions about you in certain circumstances. And then the second one that people know is generally called a living will or a, 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 a advanced directive concerning having a natural death, something like that. It can concern mental health issues. But it spells out for people what you want to do in case you're faced with one of those situations. Uh, and I want to say these are these are legal documents, and so you need to talk to an attorney about it uh, before you fill one out. You can find samples online, but talk to an attorney to be sure you're doing them correctly. And the second thing is, in this case, you really also need to talk to your health care provider to get make informed decisions concerning these things. So with that in general is what it is. Uh, they do vary from state to state. There's a really good link uh, or a really good page on our Secretary of State uh, website here in North Carolina, sosnc.gov, where they spell out what they are and give you examples. And also, uh, if you can go online to the National Institute of Health, the National Institute on Aging has a lot of good information about these as well, and that's um, nia.nih.gov. Great, great. So, um Hank, so related to advanced directives, so these are some of the things that we've been hearing people talking about, things like powers of attorney and, and health care power of attorney, financial powers of attorney. Talk to us a little bit about an advanced directive, please. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's really advanced care planning. And, it, and it's a step beyond an advanced directive, and then it's more of a personal statement about what your goals and values and preferences are in life. And the idea is to find a surrogate who can help represent those in, in the event that you're not able to do that. And, and I just want to tell a story about how I first came into um, awareness of this. I have a friend whose father was a bit of a Renaissance man, and they had a discussion long before he had any sort of physical ailments that let my friend know that if anything should happen that would lessen his capacity or capabilities, and he, my friend, a choice, he would um, prefer not to have anything done that would, that would cause that to happen. He didn't want anything that would diminish his abilities. And, and it came to pass where um, he, my friend was presented with um, an option where he could have surgery, but the chances of that surgery leaving him as full as he was were not so high. And so my friend had an easy choice to make. It wasn't easy, but he had he knew what his father wanted and chose not to have the surgery. And so that's where an advanced care planning plan, an advanced care plan can be very helpful. It gives a surrogate guidance in a very, very uh, difficult and tense situation. It's truly a gift, and that's often what we talk to families about. You know, it's I, nobody really necessarily wants to talk about their mortality, but the reality of it is, is none of us are getting out of here alive. And at some point, somebody's going to be making some sort of a decision. I mean, we all want to think that if we're going to just die in our sleeps and things of that nature, but the reality of it is most people have chronic conditions that follow a certain trajectory that will re result in, you know, the following things happening to us um, towards end of life. And 
for whatever reason, you know, a lot of times folks just don't want to have those conversations. And then they leave those decisions to happen at the bedside when there may be a person that ultimately gets pointed to to make your decision that can't necessarily do what you would have wanted or maybe doesn't even know because you never had that conversation. And that, I think, is where, um, you know, a lot of times mediation comes into play because I have seen many, many family squabbles at the bedside or heard of squabbles at the bedside because people have differing opinions about what mom or dad would have wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicole, this is this is Rick, and if I may just add to that, um, I'm just going to read you one of the phrases on the North Carolina General Advanced Directive for Natural Death, and it says, um, I, um, it says, if I become unconscious and my healthcare providers determine that to a high degree of medical certainty, I will never regain my consciousness. And so you're, exactly what you're saying is correct. It's, it's, it's how does the family know and make that decision about a high degree of medical certainty? And those are the kind of questions that arise. Even if you have um, one of these advanced directives, um, there may be differences of opinion about how to interpret those words. Right, right. And then you have situations where maybe one family member doesn't agree with what that one doctor said and they want a second opinion and things continually get delayed. So definitely, you know, conversations you need to have. And great conversation openers are really around, I think, when somebody else close in your family goes through a situation, it's a great way to say, hey, Dad, you know, this is, you know, sadly, Aunt Susie just passed away and, you know, we were all there and this is sort of how it went is – if something like that were to happen to you, is that exactly how you would want things to go for you? And, you know, sometimes when you're not, you know, literally saying, Dad, what do you want, but using a different situation that everyone has experienced together can lead to a little bit more of a comfortable conversation opener. Would you agree? Absolutely. And and I think you've touched on some really important points. One is that if an elder decides who they want their surrogate to be. It's just not enough to make that decision. Everybody needs to be in on that decision so that when the time comes, there won't be a dispute about that. So that, that is also an important part of the discussion. And it's, it's great to have a family together when those decisions are being made. So everybody kind of understands what the role of the surrogate is going to be. And the importance of who you pick, I think that is also something that that can be, you know, incredibly, um, incredibly important. You know, people sometimes make the assumption, you know, I might make the assumption, well, that my husband should be the one making the decisions for me. But you really need to know a lot about that individual's personal makeup and whether or not they have the strength to follow through on what your wishes are if your wishes differ from what they perhaps want for themselves. And so I think, you know, sometimes we just kind of automatically do what, you know, we feel like we have to do based off of hierarchy or the eldest child or the spouse or what have you. But the reality of it is, is you need to really pick the person who's going to be able to follow what your wishes are and who is, you know, the person that's going to be really strong enough to stand there if other family members come in and have differing opinions. Right. I mean, I think that you have to have um, the emotional ability to, to be in that position. You have to have the judgment, empathy, and and not least, you have to be available. You know, if, right. if you're <laughs> yeah. if you're somewhere else, if you're in busy, Australia and mom's, you know, here in North Carolina, that could be a little bit problematic for sure. 
And the the other the other thing is that that these are not static conditions. Right. People people have values that change over time, and it's important to to stay in touch with what an elder may want as their um, physical conditions change and their emotional conditions change. Things are. I saw that with my own father who wanted to live until um, he wanted to be the last one to turn out turn off, turn off the lights, but that changed. And I think that happens with a lot of people as they get older. Yeah, and that's where the planning comes in and making sure that we're all making our, our own decisions and uh, we're current in our planning as well. Hank and Rick, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Is eldermatters.org the best place for folks to go to find more information? Yes. Perfect, perfect. Again, Hank Strauss and Rick Igo, they are mediators with Elder Matters of the Carolinas. You can find more information at eldermatters.org. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds us, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more information at transitionslifecare.org. This is WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on WPTF. Jason Kong here with... Nicole Cleggett and uh, Nicole, I guess we can't really say it enough, but things have just changed so much uh, in the landscape of our, our daily lives with COVID-19. And, um, you know, Nicole, I think it's just more important than ever for us to maintain mental health and, and mm-hmm. make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. Well, this is incredibly hard for people. You know, human beings are social animals. I mean, as much as we all say, well, I'm an introvert or I'm an extrovert or whatever, but any period of isolation is just really incredibly hard on it, mental health. And then with the fact that there's just so much out of our control and then our all of our routines have been completely flipped on their ears, you know, we have kids home and we're not to, or kids who are in daycare and at home or school or, you know, the aging loved ones, we're all concerned about those folks and the number of people, you know, applying for unemployment in this state is just exploding. And so there's just so much going on. And it can be just totally incredibly overwhelming. And so um, it's just incredibly important to really do some things for yourself to really help you maintain that sense of control. And I'll, I, I laugh when I say this, but just even a simple thing of try to create a routine for yourself at home, you know, whether it's just, you know, wake up in the morning, make your bed, you know, actually get out of your pajamas. You know, th- there's a sort of a joke going on, uh, around online about, well, this is, you know, bra sales are going down because no women are even putting on a bra. <laughs> now, you know, I'm here in the studio. I do have a bra on. <laughs> But, you know, these are these are all things, you know, we have to try to remain some sense of normalcy, you know, try not to sit there and binge watch TV 12 hours a day, get outside and take a walk. We have a beautiful weekend this weekend and, you know, really try to get outside and spend some time in nature. Um, and, And really, one thing that I think is it's hard not to do because we all have our devices literally in our hands is take a break from the media. Now, not our show, <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> but, um, yeah, but take a break from watching, from reading, from listening to the news stories, including social media. I mean, if I look at my news feed on Facebook, every other post is about something to do with COVID-19 and, and it just 
sometimes you just need to get away from it and just turn it off. Even if you need to turn it off for, you know, 12 hours, just to give yourself that mental break. Yeah, I think that's wonderful, a wonderful idea, Nicole, because, you know, we've, we've sort of gone through these waves where the 24-hour news cycle was uh, just pumping stuff out literally minute by minute. Mm-hmm. And, and going uh, live every second. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at some point, you sort of get acclimated to that and you keep thinking, well, if I don't check, I'm going to miss something. And that's that's not the case. You know, you can take a break. And especially if it's causing you more anxiety than mm-hmm. keeping you informed, then yeah, it's it's definitely time to take a break. But um, Nicole, I think you're, you're exactly right about the mental health aspect. And I know a, a lot of listeners and uh, people here at WPTF and Curtis Media Group have been talking to me about, well, you know, they've got loved ones who are uh, far away and they're worried about mm-hmm. them and making sure that they're not too isolated. But uh, again, it's it's not the time to go visit them. But hey, you can pick up the phone and call. You mm-hmm. can FaceTime, uh, video chat, whatever. There, there's plenty of opportunities there. And, you know, another way to reduce your stress and stress in others is really just checking the facts. You know, not every website, not everybody's opinion out there, opinions are opinions, and opinions aren't necessarily rooted in fact. But going to, like, the CDC website or the North Carolina Department of Human Services website to really actually understand, you know, number one, are you in the at-risk group? Okay, if yes, what does that mean? And what do I need to do about it? And if you're not, what does that mean? And what do I need to do about it? And really just just trying to just focus on the things that we actually have that are known. Um, and, and unfortunately, and, and, you know, all of our leaders in this country and in this state are, are grappling with kind of how to handle this. And so it is sort of changing day by day with restrictions and things of that nature. But just really trying to just stick to just trying to figure out exactly what the facts are and then how it actually impacts you. You know, I, I often, my husband and I sometimes get into conversations about, you know, global issues or nationwide issues. And sometimes just the thought of even trying to contemplate those things are incredibly overwhelming. And so brought into every single one of our living rooms now is this COVID-19 virus. And so I'm just trying to focus on every day, trying to do the next right thing and trying to do something that I feel will help somebody else. And it could be something like, you know, sewing those masks that you see a lot of the hospital systems asking for, donating food, you know, volunteering for Meals on Wheels to make some deliveries, even just calling on or calling up some of my older adult friends that I don't often talk to just to see how they're doing. Um, and I will say, you know, the, the shortage of supplies really is an issue. Um, for example, Transitions Life Care, who continues to send their clinicians out into the community, their nurses, their their physicians, their, their aides, um, you know, there is just a general shortage of what's known as personal protective equipment out there. And um, they, they're actually calling on organizations or individuals who may have things like surgical masks, isolation gowns, goggles, gloves, um, you know, some of those alcohol wipes or hand sanitizer. If folks have those types of things in mass at their homes, you know, if you want to donate some of those things, you certainly can do that by emailing PPE supplies at transitionslifecare.org. That's PPE supplies at transitionslifecare.org, and they will take do- donations in any quantity because of sort of the, the reaction or sometimes the overreaction of some people in, in our country, some of these supplies are running low. So we just want to make sure that we continue to have an ample supply to care for the thousands of folks that we serve in the community too. 
Yeah, that's great advice. And I think just picking one small thing that you can do to help really goes a long way. It sometimes, makes you feel good. It boosts yeah, yourself a little bit. Absolutely. And uh, sometimes we may be overwhelmed thinking, well, I, I want to do these this list of 18 things. Well, no, just start with one thing. Yep. Get the ball rolling there. Start small. And, and even that will make a big impact. And that was, that email address, again, PPE Supplies at transitionslifecare.org, PPE supplies at transitionslifecare.org. Nicole, before we head out, I want to uh, just give you a chance to let everyone know that uh, uh, Transitions Guiding Lights is still going strong and yes, that if sir. people still need that as a resource, it is completely available to them. We sure are. We are considered one of those essential healthcare organizations. So regardless of what's going on all around us and the different types of businesses that need to close, Transitions Life Care will be here to serve. All of our staff are working and connecting uh, family members to any resources that they need. We can provide any amount of education and support. And we are a free service uh, for the community. So all folks have to do is just give us a call at 919-371-2062, or they can certainly go to our website at guidinglightsnc.org and connect with us there. But we are still uh, operating, and if folks are in need of providing any type of care for their loved one and are needing um, us to connect them with a service provider, we can certainly do that. And we also have a whole host of online resources available to include a listing of all of these shows that can help educate folks on how to care for their loved one. Because despite what's going on with this virus, loved ones are still needing care, issues are still coming up. So we still have the normal stuff of life that's going on while we're all trying to work with COVID-19. Yeah, it's a, a lot to juggle. That website again, guidinglightsnc.org is the best way to get a hold of them. We are out of time for today. I want to thank our guests for joining us by the phone this evening. Uh, we really appreciate them accommodating our accommodating our social distancing that we're practicing here at WPTF. We are out of time for today, but you can find more information about the show and find replays and past episodes of Aging Matters at WPTF.com. Click on the podcast button. There you'll find Aging Matters, and you can view the full archive of episodes there. On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I'm Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on WPTF. Have a great night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.